Welcome to In-Depth, a Kingdom Life Church podcast where we can sit down over a cup of coffee and talk to the people we love about the things that intrigue us. Now settle in as we go In-Depth. All right, well, welcome back to another edition of In-Depth. This is one of the Kingdom Life Church podcasts. It accompanies our regular Sunday sermon podcast. And if you haven't checked that one out or if you haven't subscribed, we encourage you to do that. Save yourself the trouble of checking back often to see when there is a new uh, uh, edition. We can have it downloaded directly to your phone. How beautiful is that? And same thing here. We encourage you to subscribe. If you like what you've heard so far on the In-Depth Podcasts, um, we invite you to subscribe and then leave us a review. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, uh, so that we can make sure that this podcast is equipping you. That's the point of it. So today we have on a, a very special guest. We've interviewed some really amazing people so far. And like I said once before, what I, what I really like is that the people that we're interviewing are not from around the world. They're not from uh, across the nation. These are people that you're sitting next to on Sunday night. And so today we have Dr. Bill Heth. Bill, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks, Spencer. Yeah. So, uh, Bill, one of the really main reasons that I had, uh, that I really wanted to get you in here, well, there's a couple. One is you're definitely a father to Kingdom Life Church. I mean, you've been here since mm-hmm. the beginning, and, and father in more than one way. I mean, you're, you were the founding pastor's dad, mm-hmm. so there's that. But also just what you bring to our foundation as a body um, is is indispensable. And so I wanted to have you on here for that reason, but also because you have a really compelling story about your journey uh, in Christianity, your your faith journey from being a cessationist to where you are now, uh, which is Holy Spirit filled, Holy Spirit empowered. Um, so for those people who are listening who might not know what a cessationist is, can you give us a definition, a working definition of what cessationism is? Yeah, it's a broad category, cessationist as opposed to continuationist. A cessationist is uh, a person who believes that the miraculous gifts of the Spirit, like uh, prophecy, miracles, healing, tongues, interpretation of the tongues, um, died off in the first century with the apostles um, because they believed that those gifts were given to the apostles to validate the apostolic message, the message that they uh, proclaimed. And so... Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's held by a small group of people. It's not huge, large, but it's held by an intellectual group. Okay. Yeah. Now, I think I, this is one thing that's always amazed me about you, and I've had so much respect for you, is, I mean, this is a stance that you wrote papers about. Yeah, right? I, I defended it heartily and, and I, told students that they were um, way off if they tried to practice these gifts. That is amazing to me that uh, that you would be willing to allow the Holy Spirit... And in such a spirit of humility to say, to, to realize, wow, I, I was wrong. Like, there, there's more to this. And we're going to hear some of that story. So mm. at this point in time, uh, if you're listening, this is, I mean, because this is a part of Bill's testimony, he, this is something that he's um, done many times, right? You've given yep. your testimony yep. and, mm-hmm. and you've spoken even at academic conferences on this, on this faith mm-hmm. journey, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, and I just think that is so cool. Uh, and you've, you've written academic papers on, uh, the, the, uh, the gifts of the spirit still being active today. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. All that kind of stuff. And, yep. and, yeah. and actually, uh, for the listeners, that is something that those papers that you've written are things that, that, 
uh, some of the leadership at Kingdom Life are slowly trying to transition into um, more readable formats. Mm-hmm. Uh, the formats that Bill writes them in are academic, meaning that sometimes the footnotes are more than half the page, uh-huh. and which is great for academic settings, but for the, the average reader, it's not usually the best format. Mm-hmm. So that's actually something that we've been working on on compiling and transitioning and having those available for our listeners and and the body of kingdom life so that they can Mm -hmm. read. Because some people like for me, um, well, there are people that are wired that want to know from the academic standpoint, those very things that you've written, they, they want to read those papers. So we're working on getting those out there so that people can, uh, see that and be enriched. But, uh, for now, I just want you to just tell us your story, tell us your testimony and and I'll pop in periodically with questions maybe, but, um, I want to turn yeah. it over to you and let you just tell us your story. Yeah, real briefly about my background. I grew up in uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan, East Grand Rapids, Michigan, and um, attended East Grand Rapids High School. And my parents uh, made me go to church. It was it was a very liberal um, church, liberal denomination uh, that would have believed if um, the important thing is is uh, that you believe Christ rose from the dead, not mm-hmm. whether he did or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was a very, uh, you know, not even experiential, but it was a religion. And uh, I headed off to um, the University of Michigan my senior in high school, but that senior year, a team of weightlifters came through town called the Athletes in Action uh, with Crew, uh, formerly Campus Crusade. And they shared um, their testimonies in the gospel. And I took a little booklet home, The Four Spiritual Laws, and invited Christ in my life that night. But it was like meeting a new friend. If you don't talk to him, you don't get to know them. I, I talked and prayed to God, but I never read the Bible. And so it wasn't until several years later at the University of Michigan that a fraternity brother, pitcher of the Michigan baseball team, got me involved. And I heard people talking as if they knew God personally, and I knew I didn't have a relationship, so, you know, like that. So your initial, like, your, your initiation into faith was by yourself yeah, in your dorm room? Yeah, it really was. Wow. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, um, yeah, I just can, kind of made a personal, uh, prayed to pray prayer to invite Christ in my life. And, and then in, in, um, at the University of Michigan, I began to grow like crazy. I think one of the first things I learned was that the Holy Spirit was not a white sheet with a, you know, over a balloon <laughs> floating around, yeah. but was actually the power source of the Christian life. Wow. And so I always had an affinity toward the ministry of the Holy Spirit and knew that uh, Jesus wanted to live his life in and through me mm-hmm. by the power of the Holy Spirit. But from the start of my... Uh, journey, I was trained as a cessationist that it was all for morals and ethics and didn't have anything to do with uh, living out or exercising or praying for uh, the the gifts of the Spirit to be wow. manifested in the church. Okay. So um, so that was University of Michigan. Mm-hmm. Now, somewhere along the way, things happened, and I think you're going to tell us, but now you're a professor at Taylor. Yeah. You And I should have said this at the beginning. Guys, this is amazing. Uh, I almost say when I'm talking about you in this sense, I have to say Dr. Heth has, has taught on the book of Ephesians for over 30 years. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. And, and so right now at Kingdom Life, we're actually going through a series on the book of Ephesians and I've heard Bill preach a lot. I've been at Kingdom Life, I think for six years and I've heard Bill preach many Mm -hmm. times during that, during those six years. But I think, um, this, you know, a couple Sundays ago when mm. you taught on Ephesians 1, one was probably yeah. one of the most uh, profound messages yeah, I've ever thanks. heard you give. And, and I, it could tell that you've, I, you've given your life to understanding and loving this book. 
and mm-hmm. um, I, I, that came through in your teaching, and it was it was really profound. So if you missed that, again, make sure to check out the the other uh, Kingdom Life Church podcast, the Sunday sermons, because mm-hmm. Bill's message will be on there. Okay, so so you're at University of Michigan. Yeah. <clears throat> You've had this. Um, Connection with the pitcher mm-hmm. from the baseball team. Yeah. Where did things go from there? Yeah, I just started to grow like a weed, as they say. The campus director was a Trinity Seminary grad. He discipled me. I began sharing my faith with my fraternity brothers, sharing my faith with uh, people in the student union. Uh, I saw people uh, coming to Christ. Uh, I changed my major after changing it five times to studies and religion <laughs> at the end because I knew I was going to give my life to you know sharing my faith. Okay. So I actually went on staff with crew for four years after I graduated from the University of Michigan. I was a missionary to college students. Okay. Now give us a timeline. What what years were yeah, we talking those about? Those were um, in 1974 uh, to 78. I was on staff with crew at American University in Washington, D.C. I got married in the middle of those two years. My wife was also uh, uh, involved and on staff with crew at the University of Massachusetts. And we got married in the middle of that 74 to 78. And then in 78, I just had this incredible desire to get more training. And that's when I headed down to Dallas Theological Seminary, which is really the mecca of cessationism. Okay. Now, is this also, just to to help our, our... Listeners, kind of understand the the larger time frame. Yeah, is this happening around the same time as the Jesus People movement? You know, um, it was seventy uh, eight. I think was well, was that the death of uh, Steve, uh, Mike or uh, Keith Green um, around there? Yeah, Jesus okay. People was a little bit before that time. Okay. Actually, all right, yep, a little bit before that, and um, and I wasn't directly involved in that, but. Okay. Um, Campus Crusade was a more sophisticated version of the of the Jesus people that wanted to reach the leaders on college okay. campuses. Okay. All right. So so we here here we are in 1978. You feel like the Lord. You've been on on um, staff with crew for four years. Yeah. You feel like the Lord is taking you into more, calling you to more knowledge. Or yeah. You had hunger for that, mm-hmm. and so there was this. So you. In the inception, you had this belief that the Holy Spirit wanted to partner with you for yeah. ministry. Uh, but then what drew yes. you to Dallas? Did you know that Dallas Theological Seminary was c- kind of the hub of cessationism? Or I did. How did that work out? Yeah, I did. And it also is known as one of the best places to uh, be trained in expository preaching. Okay. Verse upon verse, line upon line. And my teachers in uh, the Institute of Biblical Studies with crew had been mainly Dallas Seminary grads. Okay, so there was a connection there. Yeah, and so there's a connection there. And uh, my pastor uh, in college, in the church I was baptized in, in in Ann Arbor, Michigan, was an old-time Dallas grad. He even performed our wedding. And so there was real history for me to go just to that school. I never applied to any place else. All right, so then you got to Dallas. Talk us... Talk us through your time at Dallas. Was there any significant events that happened there? What, um, I mean... Yeah, apart from doing a a master's thesis on a topic that was um, very touchy, but also one that was um, very debated, it was actually the topic of of divorce and remarriage, Mm. and then I did my doctoral dissertation on singleness. But during that whole time, I was a pretty, pretty staunch cessationist all that time and never had anything to, um, you know, cause me to doubt that position since mm-hmm. everybody and, and their brother and sister at the school 
held to that view. Held the same view. Yeah, yeah. So when you're in an environment like that, it only reinforces. Uh, and I, I never read outside of my tradition to see if it might be mm. wrong. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you said your master's thesis was on divorce and remarriage, then your doctoral dissertation was on singleness. Mm-hmm. Sounds like we're going to have to have you back for another episode so you can <laughs> talk more about those things because those are, um, I think, really, uh, to me, they're intriguing topics, mm. but also I, I really believe, in, and I think the word is clear that our marriage, our physical marriages on this planet uh, are supposed to be uh, a representation of the Father and His Church, yeah, of yeah, Jesus' Christ's Church. For the so, church. Yeah. Um, I would love to get you back, and we'll have to plan that, get you back and talk talk to us about that okay. sometime. So, okay, so you've then you graduate from Dallas. Yes. What happens there? So that's in Texas. Now you live in Upland. So Yes. So in 1987, uh, I found an opening at Taylor University, and they actually wanted me. And so I came. <laughs> well, did you doubt? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I was hoping. And so I taught uh, Greek and New Testament and, um, and theology at Taylor. So I came in 87, but in 1993, my former Hebrew professor at Dallas Seminary, uh, Jack Deere, wrote a book called Surprised by the Power of the Spirit. So this is a former professor, professor from at Dallas. Dallas. Yes. Okay. And this was a bombshell book uh, because it even said a, a Dallas Seminary professor now still believe or now believes that God... <clears throat> heals and speaks today. And this book uh, at least turned me from being a strong cessationist, hardcore uh, believer that anything um, that smacked of uh, the charismatic, I mm-hmm. would call it charismania, yeah. anything <laughs> that smacked of uh, charismatic um, circles was uh, out to lunch. But this book now gave me, it really gave me half of my Bible back because yeah. I became open but cautious, which I later learned was really unbiblical mm. because Paul says to earnestly desire the greater gifts, yeah. the ones that build up the church, and he puts prophecy at the top of the list and, and his three lists and then another one in First Peter. And so that book was a bombshell for me. And that was about, yeah, two th- or 1993. And it took me from about 1993 to 2004 uh, when my son had an, an amazing conversion experience uh, at Taylor, his third of five years at Taylor, and began to hear the Lord's voice mm. and began to grow like crazy. And it caused me to take a second look at everything. And that's where I started to uh, see that there was a lot more to being open but cautious that I needed to seek after the greater gifts and okay. not just be open but cautious. Okay, so so... You obviously rose or raised your children going to church, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so it was a part of what they did. It was a part of your family culture. Uh, in in that intervening time between, would you say, 1993 to 2004, yeah. I mean, that's 11 years. So how are you parenting your children? Because I know that mm. for me, it's like the prophetic is so important in how I raise my children. Yeah. So we've received words about our kids, and so and then we partner with those words to to bring fulfillment and and wholeness mm-hmm. and and raise our children. We think to what well, really how we see the kingdom yeah. sees them. So in this intervening time when you weren't, <clears throat> I know is it fair to say you were kind of on the fence? You were oh, straddling yeah, the exactly fence? right. Okay, exactly so right. in those eleven years, how how did that inform conversations or or the way that you were raising your children? Is that stuff? Is that 
did those conversations ever come up with yeah, your kids? Yeah, I'm sorry to say it, it just did not inform those conversations because I was, uh, I, I was a middle-of-the-road person. I wanted to, to, to know the best arguments on all sides of things. Mm. And so I wanted to put position myself right in the middle. Okay. And it really wasn't until 2006, a couple years into James's um, incredible um, experiences with the Holy Spirit, that I that I uh, realized, or he said to me, Dad, if, if until you get over the fear of man, you will never, you know, grow in your faith. And I was always fearful of what people would think of mm-hmm. me, you know, if I had made these changes. Mm-hmm. And so it took that uh, to, um, you know, to getting over that fear of what people would think uh, before I jumped into it with both feet. Okay. Wow. And mm-hmm. so it's, I just love hearing the story. Okay. So this, so it was through your son's conversion and experience yeah. that really kind of, is it fair to say that, that pulled you over to the other side of the fence? It did. And I, I wanted to, of course, maintain a relationship with him mm-hmm. and um, I could have played the heavy you know, professor who knew better and, and knew what was right and what, what was wrong. Uh, but I could see the validity and the more scholarly reading that I did, uh, the more that I saw the view that I had held before was the one that was a bit narrow mm. and um, w- w- was a bit obscure. And uh, just as a classic example, the cessationist teaching uh, said that uh, the miraculous gifts were to validate you know, the apostolic message and then once it was written down, you wouldn't need it. Um, that is such an odd idea because there is no passage in the New Testament that says that was the purpose of spiritual gifts. It says the purpose of the spiritual gifts was to build up the church, mm-hmm. not to inscripturate the Bible. Wow. And it was also um, an absurd you know, thought because Jesus came to inaugurate the kingdom not begin it and then set it aside until the second coming. Yeah. But all of those gifts were given at Pentecost to build the church and to advance the church. And as you read the book of Acts, our only inspired version uh, of Bible or book of what the church should be like, we see that these gifts are done by Jesus through people mm-hmm. and um, many turn to the Lord. They are, they are a part of the gospel. Um, not just the the spoken yeah. message, but the casting out of demons, the healing of the sick. Um, that is a part of the gospel of message. The kingdom is here. Yeah. Uh, now you're starting to sound a lot like John Wimber, uh, where the healings and the supernatural mm. are part of the gospel. It's not the gospel and, yeah. it's the gospel. Um, and I know you've talked a lot about John Wimber. How how did he inform your process? Yeah. Um, Wimber had a very small role in Jack Deere's book, Surprised by the Power of the Spirit, but I knew about him from, from Deere's book. And it actually wasn't until a few years ago that I began to read okay. Wimber, but he had so influenced Deere and so influenced a man named Charles Kraft, uh, anthropology professor at Fuller Seminary who wrote Christianity with Power. Okay. And that book was greatly influential, written about the exact same time Deer's Surprised by the Power of the Spirit. And uh, Charles Kraft had also come from a, a cessationist background and into the things of the Spirit. And those books were so encouraging uh, to see that, um, yeah, that God's Spirit was, was alive and well today and working in the same way today 
as he was in the first century. So is Jack Deere still alive? He is. Okay. Yep. Yep. I've heard, I've listened to some of his teachings and it's uh, amazing. I mean, mm-hmm. he's, he's out there on podcasts and stuff and uh, we're not getting any endorsements for this, but I will say that um, I know that on our book table, uh, in the back of Kingdom Life, Surprised by the Power of the Spirit, I believe and, there's and, at least one copy yeah, back surprised there. Surprised by the Voice of God. <clears throat> um, so if you're listening book. to this and that piques your interest, be sure to check that out. Um, also, of course, you can get them on Amazon. But um, then I would encourage you too, if you're if you're a listener, if you're an auditory learner, uh, just get on the podcast app and search for Jack Deere. Uh, go on YouTube and search for Jack Deere. It's it's D E E R E. Is that correct? Yep. Yeah. And yes. so, wow. Okay. Well, this is so amazing. Um, you said uh, I'm. You've said so many wonderful things. I'm, my head is like spinning because it's just so cool to hear this uh, story. Okay, so well, let's let's go ahead and fast forward. So um, we've seen this happen with James. You you're you're seeing fruit. You're realizing through what you're reading that this is actually legitimate. Mm. Um, James then goes to he graduates from Taylor. Yeah, and he goes yes. to Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry out in Redding, California. Right. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yes. So what what did your time uh, look like when he was out there? Because he was there for three years. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So in those intervening three years, because then we'll get to what comes next mm-hmm. when he gets back in Indiana. But in those intervening three years, was there an open dialogue still between you and James about like what he was experiencing and learning out in California, and was that informing? Yes. Your yeah. process. Yeah, very much so. Um, there were even times when when I was concerned about some of the things he was learning, and yet the more I would l- listen into it, I felt that the, the Bethel Church was stewarding the things that they believed well. They were not the, uh, the name-it-claim-it uh, mm-hmm. brand of, of Pentecostalism, which um, is, is, a, is a kind of a, a right-wing element, mm-hmm. and uh, they were not a health and wealth um, gospel by any means. The I listened to a podcast by Bill Johnson that talks about a greater grace, and the greater grace is is for suffering. Mm. And so, yeah, though they they believe that God wants everyone healed, in the same way that Paul would say um, that uh, God wants uh, all to come to a knowledge of the truth and, and become Christians in First mm-hmm. Timothy, you know, two four, uh, they realize that some people are not healed, but that doesn't change their. Uh, theology of uh, their belief in the goodness of God, and they keep pressing in. Right. Yeah. And they, even even the most responsible, uh, one of the most responsible gospel coalition persons, Sam Storms, in his book Practicing the Power, would argue, yeah, if if you are not healed, keep praying, keep mm-hmm. praying for God's healing power in your life. Yeah, I because I feel like um, this is one thing that I've learned. So. My my background always involved the Holy Spirit, but it wasn't as intimately as what we teach and and promote and equip at mm. Kingdom Life. Um, I saw it in other people that way, yes. but in my mind, it was always like, oh, "Well, someday I'll get there." You know, it was mm-hmm. that dialogue. someday I'll someday I'll be able to hear the voice like that. Someday yes. I'll be able to partner with yes. the Holy Spirit. But when I came to Kingdom Life, it was like, no, someday can be right now. Here's some practical ways that you can do this. Mm. And, you know, it was under James' teaching. And um, so that was really cool to see that shift in myself happen then. And uh, one of the things that I um, feel has been really amazing is seeing um, 
this idea of um, all all of the all of the signs and wonders, all of the supernatural is an invitation into intimacy with the Father. Mm. You know, it's always mm-hmm. it's it's the signs and wonders are great. Like the healing, seeing somebody get healed is great, but it's always about the heart of the Father. Mm. It's always about getting closer to Him and deepening relationship with Him. Yeah. Um, and yes. so, Spencer, let me let me interrupt you there yeah, because sure. you mentioned intimacy, and uh, that is the thing in Jack Deere's book, the last three chapters, "Surprised by the Power of the Spirit." I have my students at Taylor do book reviews on that and their theology class, and what hits students from a religious background, and mine was a religious family. I, James would say he grew up in a in a family that taught religion mm. and 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 not uh, an intimate relationship. But the last three chapters of Deer's book talk about a passion for a person. And this is what grabs the hearts of students most in reading that book. Yeah, they see the signs and wonders. They see the prophetic ministry. They see the healing. They see the change in Deer's um, theology. But what draws them most is this passion for a person, Mm. intimacy. And Jack Deer would say that 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 intimacy is the key uh, to power. And, um, yeah, that's probably what I wish in my own life that I had uh, pursued uh, more and more of. Mm. Do, you th- do you think it's fair to say, because I, Jesus talks about Intimacy. power and authority, mm-hmm. right? So do you think that um, the way that I've understood it is that authority comes from understanding identity. Okay, yes. Who we are. I agree. And power comes from intimacy. I, yeah, I agree with that. And, and that people can have one or the other, maybe, uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I guess I'm kind of processing this out loud. I feel mm-hmm. like if somebody has power, then they also probably have the authority. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are a lot of people that I've seen, and I feel like this is part of my testimony, is, is I, I walk in authority, but I haven't seen the manifestation of that power yet. Mm-hmm. And so for okay. me, it's an invitation to keep going oh, deeper yes. and keep I, going deeper. That's a good way to put it. <clears throat> cool. Well, hey... Um, Let's take a break, okay? Because then, when we get back, we're going to talk a little bit about what happened when James came back from California, okay? Which really sets us up for the fact that we have Kingdom Life Church at all, mm-hmm. and uh, so I'll want you to talk a little bit about that. What it was like uh, for you in those early um, days, weeks, months, uh, maybe even the first couple of years of moving from what was Living Waters to Kingdom Life, and uh, we'll pick it up there. Does that sound good? Okay, sounds good. We'll be back. We want your feedback. Do you have questions about a Kingdom Life sermon you heard recently? Or maybe you have a topic suggestion for the monthly in-depth podcast. If that is you, please send them our way. Submit your thoughts and questions to us via Instagram, Facebook Messenger, or you can email them to spencer.kingdomlifechurch at gmail.com. Of course, you can always feel free to chat with us on a Sunday night as well. We look forward to interacting with you, and thanks for listening to In Depth, a special edition of the Kingdom Life Church podcast. Welcome back. Uh, also, just a reminder, we mean this. If you have questions or podcast ideas, be sure to send those along. Feel free to email me or, of course, you can come find me on a Sunday night at Kingdom Life Church. Well, we are back here with Dr. Bill Heff. Uh, when he's preaching, he likes to say that he's Dr. Hillbeth and then everybody chuckles. And Oh, yes. 
but anyway, so we're here, and uh, we left off with um, the end of, of James' time out at Bethel. So James is now coming back to, he feels called back to Upland, um, back mm-hmm. to Indiana. And um, what was that process like? What did he do when he got back? Yeah, he, he had such a clear leading from the Lord that he was to come back here and to, to plant a church. Mm-hmm. And, that if, yeah, if, and that if he didn't do that, almost like Moses um, going um, out of the Exodus into the, the promised land, that he would not go unless God went with him, he had a sense that, that this is exactly what God wanted him wow. to do. So he came back here and uh, began to... Uh, disciple young people, uh, even in his roofing business in the summer, and and then in other places, and okay. we began to see people from Indiana Wesleyan and Taylor uh, come together, and we started. Uh, he started uh, a home group in our home. Now, what year is this? Yeah, that would have been what year was that? I think approximately two thousand and two thousand and ten. Okay. Yeah, the, the church was maybe even two thousand and nine. Um, yes, yeah, so right around there. I'd, I'd have to double check. But, uh, yeah, we were all, always worried. Susie and I opened up the home that, that, that James, that the students were staying there so long on a, on a school night that mm-hmm. they weren't going to get their homework done. Yeah. <laughs> so we would talk to him about that. But the students seemed to have plenty of time, and they seemed to want to stay, and they loved James' uh, teaching and, yeah. and his processing. And Susie and I were learning and, and growing and taking notes and and, and, and learning how to read the Bible in a way that we hadn't even learned when we were on staff with crew and, and, and trained other people how to study the Bible. Wow. And so it was really an exciting time to see how James processed the, the living word and asked questions of it and how it challenged his own assumptions and then how he would submit to it. And so fast forward. The group of people gets too big for your living room. Yes. And what happens then? Yeah, James had been meeting with uh, the the um, the study group that Exit Fifty Nine uh, went to, mm-hmm. and it's called Teaching Pool. Yeah. For a well over a year, almost two years, with Darren Campbell, and Darren wanted James to be one of his teaching pastors mm-hmm. in the morning uh, church, Exit Fifty Nine, now just called Exit Church. Mm-hmm. And uh, But James had a different philosophy. They taught sequentially through the Bible, books of the Bible. James wanted to do more discipleship. He wanted to focus on uh, training up young people in the things of the, the Spirit and hearing God's voice and, and, and how to read the, the Word um, in a, just in a way that was that led to intimacy. Mm-hmm. And uh, after a number of months, Darren said, Okay, James, I love what you carry so much and what you bring to this study group. Um, I want you uh, to have Exit 59, the building, in the evening. I'll set you up for, for two months free, and then, then we'll charge you rent after that. Wow. Uh, but our, we are about planting churches, and we want you to, to plant the ministry that you want. Wow. And so that was in 2011. October, October of 2011, yeah. Yep. And, and, and now we are in uh, March of 2018, and we're still... Sunday nights and the same building. And we've seen um, really amazing fruit from James's yes. Yeah, so much. Uh, And if you want to know more details about uh, all the the small things in between, well, not not all small, some big stuff too, there's a video on 
uh, Kingdom Life Church's website. That's kingdomlifedisciples.org. You can head over there. Uh, scroll down. I think it's even on the homepage. You scroll yeah, down. It's and called you the can, Kingdom Life Story. The Kingdom Life Story. You can check that out and get more details about exactly what happened uh, from the time that James felt led to to come back and when uh, Kingdom Life opened its doors. Yeah. Um, and so that's uh, a really cool video. You should check that out. So, okay. So for you then, planting a church, your son is doing this, but w- did he invite you to be a part of the process? What did that look like for you? Um, what responsibility did you feel or any, or like, what, what was that like for you? Yeah. Yeah. With the uh, Nicholas Curtin Johnson and Brian, um, Winters and myself and, um, Emily Harris Mm -hmm. and James, uh, when we did form the church and had that as a kind of elder leadership, uh, group, uh, we began, um, meeting more as a, a broader leadership team in the early stages where we would uh, pray and set. James would be the first to admit that he was not a he was not a, a planner and a, and a visionary for great things. He would rely upon you know other people mm-hmm. for that, and so we were kind of finding our way and how to make that happen, how mm-hmm. to make that work. And the thing that started worrying me is when we got bigger and bigger. I thought, how are we going to maintain the the dynamics that mm. made this such a such an a, 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 such a, a, a powerful ministry at the beginning? Yeah. If we get too big, one of the cool things that um, I've seen is that I I love to steward prophetic words. So mm. I love to go back and and read them and see okay what has the Lord spoken about us. So there's a there's a whole binder of prophetic words, and I think True. these are things that that you guys were um, listening and hearing. From the Lord in those early times and uh, writing them down. And so I asked Susie for that notebook. I said, hey, I want to I look at these. I want to see what the Lord has said about us. What are we walking in now? What we still haven't we walked in? So I got this uh, notebook from Susie and I started reading these things. And one of the things that I noticed was that, oh, I was saying um, these were, I think, words that you as that leadership team yes. had started to compile. In we your, did. In mm-hmm. your prayer time, you guys would get together and ask the Lord what his vision was yes. for this body, which I think is so profound. And there's a whole nother podcast there about letting Jesus actually be the head of the church. But uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, again, for another another time. Uh and John Wimber teaches a lot on that too. Um, but one of the things that I saw was uh, the book of Ephesians kept coming up over and over and over again. Mm. Like, And as the leadership, feeling like the Lord was saying that he was calling us to be uh, or, or that kingdom life was like the church at Ephesus. And so I thought, Man, I'm gonna. I want to figure what this is out. You know, let's mm. let's look. So uh, I think it's really cool that you guys felt that at the beginning, and now here we are seven years later, and we're doing a teaching series oh, yeah. on Ephesians, and we've circled back around, and we're digging in to say, okay, what Jesus? What exactly was it again um, about Ephesians that you saw in us, or what are you calling us to be like about mm. the Church at Ephesus? And um, I think it, maybe it's even representative of what the what John writes to the angel of the church of Ephesus in Revelation about returning to your first love. Mm. Um, and I don't know about all that. Yeah, I'm just yeah. I'm just processing out loud. Yes, but, yes. Uh, really cool thing there. Okay, so so then um, 
you get together, Jay, you know, you guys are really leaning on each other. The church is growing. Mm-hmm. Uh, what were there any really influential times or events during those first maybe year or two years that really you think shaped uh, shaped the trajectory of Kingdom Life Church? Mm. Um, yeah, I think it was um, at times when uh, James would would lead uh, and, and open it up for the body to minister mm. uh, to one another, uh, that he would um, at times during his teaching uh, have uh, even small groups of, of, of people throughout the church uh, stop and uh, look at a passage and answer some questions uh, together. I think it was the, uh, the body life uh, that mm. was generated by uh, his teaching and his giving opportunity. Uh, we believe that every, every member is a minister, as you I say. There's no junior Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And that we wanted to see the Lord use anyone at any time, the old dynamic view of, of spiritual gifts. There's a constitutional view where the uh, one person is going to probably be used by the Lord more often than the others. And then there's the situational view mm-hmm. of the gifts of the Spirit. And that's where the Holy Spirit can use anybody at any time uh, to minister in just about any way possible. And we were giving the opportunity for uh, people in the church to be used that way. Mm. And uh, we saw some neat things come out of that. Uh, even one evening where uh, a guy was uh, miraculously healed of, of, of a couple of conditions that he even went to the Mayo Clinic for. And wow. our, 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 the environment of worship, a testimony that happened ahead of time, uh, the expectation of his, of his girlfriend, his fiancée at the time, uh, to think that the Lord wanted him to be healed that night, and he was completely doubting, and, and he went forward. The Lord just orchestrated an environment where... Um, he uh, brought about this guy's healing and, and even threw away his meds later that night. We'd never encourage anybody to do that. Yeah. But, but he uh, knew that he had been healed and he wow. was miraculously healed that night. That is awesome. I tell you what, that's been my, my experience at Kingdom Life as well. Um, <clears throat> before I was brought on to leadership, um, you know, I just kind of showed up out of nowhere. My story of getting Kingdom Life is kind of cool. Um, but... My my understanding of the gifts was much more constitutional. And then I come into Kingdom Life and I'm like, wait, what? We all can do this all the time? Mm-hmm. You know, the situational thing. Uh, and that was s- super impactful for me. Uh, and it was over a conversation that I had with James over a cup oh. of coffee where I said, this is my understanding. How like, but this is not what I'm hearing you say. What's the difference? And uh, he talked me, you know, he walked through some stuff, and I was like, since that day, I'm like, fine, I'm on board. Let's do this. Like, mm-hmm. I, let's run. And so that's been really cool. Um, well, uh, if you guys are curious about this, I encourage you to get connected with somebody on Leadership at Kingdom Life. Uh, if you want to hear more of Bill's story, I know that he uh, does it. Now, he doesn't have a lot of time, but I know that he loves to get coffee with students and, um, and, invest and pour into their life. So if you are interested in hearing more about that or um, more about the the biblical basis for living a life that's empowered by the Holy Spirit, I know that Bill is is more than equipped to talk to you about that, and we would encourage you to do that. Uh, Bill, before we go, um, this is one question I like to ask everybody I have on the podcast. 
although depending on their current age, it depends on uh, what age I send them back to. But for you, I think 30 is a good number. <laughs> so what advice would you give? <coughs> Excuse me. Excuse me. You're okay. What advice would you give 30-year-old Bill about walking with the Lord um, and uh, partnering, however you want to take it, but what advice would you give your 30-year-old self? Yeah, I guess I spent so much time uh, reading academic things and and trying to make sure that I'd have the right answers for people Mm -hmm. that I think I would uh, definitely spend more time, you know, uh, one-on-one with the Lord, trying to listen listen to the Lord's voice. Mm. You know, hearing what he would say, it would it would be the you know the journaling, the the sitting down and and going slow uh, with the Lord and um, putting aside, you know the the academics, uh, uh, the books, the heavy uh, documents that validated the things that I was learning, mm. and trying to you know practice, practice the presence more of God and and listening to Him and and I think I would get impatient. Uh, oh, I'm not hearing. Mm. Um, I can't hear the Lord like other people, you know, can hear him. And I think I would just, uh, you know, get impatient and get up too soon. Mm. I'm still working on that. Yeah. And um, I'm inspired by uh, seeing how the Lord, you know, speaks to and works through others mm-hmm. uh, to motivate, you know, uh, to me to do that more. I, I agree. And what, I think that's one of the things that I've come to learn through being a part of the body at Kingdom Life is that, um, you know, if we mm-hmm. if we believe what the Word says about God being infinite, mm-hmm. then it seems to reason that He would speak to His children in an infinite oh, number my, of ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the moment that we start to say, oh, well, I want to hear from the Lord like, like Him or like her, mm-hmm. I mean, it's possible that He will speak in a similar way, but... I mean, every person is is unique. He created everybody individually. And that's, you know, one of our, I think one of our foundational texts of the body is Psalm 139. And, and that just speaks about um, how how the Lord sees us as the, as the individual mm-hmm. and how he loves us so much like that. So that's really good, Bill. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you do one more thing for us? Can you pray yeah. uh, for the listeners and just let the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit lead your prayer and then mm-hmm. um, yeah. we'll wrap this up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Heavenly Father, I just um, thank you for um, John's recording Jesus' words in John 10, 27, where he says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, mm-hmm. and, and they follow me. And um, my Father has given them to me, and uh, no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. Lord, thank you for the, the intimate uh, connection that you have given us to yourself, yeah. and that you so desire to speak to us, Jesus, and that you said in John 15, 15, that I no longer uh, call you slaves, but I call you friends. And Lord, we desire more than anything to have that friendship relationship with you, mm-hmm. that relationships where we learn what is on your heart, what you would have us uh, to do and to follow you and to listen to your voice, even as uh, Jesus uh, in his earthly ministry said he only did what he saw uh, the Father doing. Yeah. Lord, that would be our desire uh, as well. And we want to put ourselves in a position where uh, we can partner with you. And, and um, you know, as we see you doing ministry, Lord, we want to join you um, uh, and um, just partner with you in doing so. We know you used angels throughout Scripture. You want to use us, your children, in the exact same way uh, to bring life, holiness, health, and um, healing and freedom from oppressive thoughts and, um, yeah, just uh, horrible setbacks. You want us to, to, to move forward 
in the power of your Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and experience the life, the abundant life um, that you promise us. So we just pray this for each of the listeners and for ourselves. We ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Amen. All right. Well, that wraps up this uh, edition of In-Depth. Bill, thanks so much for being here with us again. We really appreciate it. Uh, Again, if you're listening and this is your first episode, I want to encourage you to go back and check out the previous ones. We've uh, interviewed Adam Narciso of Catalyst Ministry. He's really the only person we've interviewed so far who's not part of our immediate body. Um, and so I want you to, I want to encourage you to go back and check those out. And again, subscribe and leave us uh, some feedback. Leave us a rating on iTunes. We'd appreciate it. Uh, but for now, until next time, thanks for going in depth.